Um, but I want to speak to you this morning. I, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking this week and we, had, we were in a sermon series about grace. And uh, it's really interesting because last week I preached about grace and I, we talked about Mount Zion. And in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about how we've not come to that Mount Sinai that was a fearful place where Moses trembled and shook because of the fear. It says, but we've come to Mount Zion and, and we, we're, we've entered into a new covenant. And whenever this stuff started going down and everybody was panicking during the middle of the week, I started thinking about it and it was, it was as if the Lord sort of said to my heart, he said, but Clay, do you, know what, do you know what verses come after that scripture? I said, well, yeah, Lord, I know what verses come after that scripture. And right after that, he goes into, it goes into a little paragraph in Hebrews where he talks about that the things that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. And the Lord began to deal with my heart, and, and He gave me this message. Uh, and so I started to, to think about it and just pray about what the Lord would have me to say. And i got to be honest with you this morning. When I, when I stand up here this morning, I, there's so many opinions and there's so many different attitudes uh, going around uh, among people and among church people and church leaders. And man, I just want to speak this with as much humility as I possibly can. Because this situation is far bigger than me. I'm 33 years old. I went to public school in Clay County. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not that smart. Uh, there, there are things, and my, opi my opinion is not, is not that great. My opinion of things doesn't matter a whole lot. The only thing that I can do and you can do is follow the Holy Spirit uh, the best way that you know how and follow the Lord and trust in God. Now, we don't want to be led by fear or panic, obviously. We want to be led by faith and love, but we, we, we want God's wisdom in these situations and we're not to judge others and we're not to be hasty in the way we view uh, what, what things are going on because the truth is we just don't have all the information, do we? So we want to listen to God, but I believe God gave me a word and I want to speak uh, into this situation. And obviously the coronavirus and all these, all these details have kind of brought things to the surface. Now this message is not just directly about the coronavirus, but it's about what the times that we're living in. And, uh, and, and so the, the name of my message this morning is Unshakable. And, and we'll, we'll get started in it here in a minute and we'll, we'll look at some different things and eventually I'll be in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and we're, I'm going to go through a lot of different verses. I'm going to try to take this slow so as not to say anything ignorant. Amen. Right? Sometimes, you know, you're getting that, uh, Pentecostal people, you know, sometimes they, uh, you get that anointing and you go so fast, you know, that you end up saying something stupid and you can't retract it. So sometimes you just got to go slow. Amen. But here's the truth. We're, we're, we are literally living in days of terror and fear. Even before this happened, one of the things that we had been talking about, we've been preaching a lot of messages on anxiety, on fear. Uh, even, even before all this happened, we were talking about fear and anxiety and people dealing with that and, and praying for people with that. So fear and anxiety was already at a, at a very high level and it's at a higher level than ever before in our world. If you look at, at, at psychiatrists and you look at medical reports, anxiety is something that's huge to begin with. And, and I was reading this article by a doctor that I like to, she's a Christian doctor and she puts a lot of stuff on Instagram. Her name is Carolyn Leaf. And she was talking about how, you know, people that are afraid of getting sick, actually your anxiety makes you more vulnerable to sickness. I'm like, well, that don't help any. Now I'm anxious about being anxious. You know, so but, but people's anxiety, it's like anxiety mounts upon anxiety and fear uh, begins to, to overtake the world. And we're living in, in those types of times. And like I said, when as Christian people, we don't want to just be ignorant. We don't just want to totally disregard uh, the officials and government over us or anything like that. We want to be wise. We want to make good decisions. And most of all, we want to express humility as Christian people. We don't want to say, hey, we've got all the answers because you and I don't have all the answers. God has all the answers and we need to seek him and we need to receive wisdom from him. And we need to pray that he gives people that don't even believe in him and elected officials and government officials and leaders the wisdom that they need to make the right decisions on behalf of all people. But here's the thing. Even whenever we're listening to people and we're receiving influence and advice from people, science, uh, medicine, in every situation that we deal with in life can only go so far. And there's a lot of times that God actually needs to shake things just to show you that they can only go so far. That ultimately he's the one, he's the end all be all. He is the one that is over all things, in control of all things, sees all things. And here's, here's what we've got to understand concerning this virus and this situation is, yeah, we're dealing with the sickness that's spreading throughout the world, but there is a lot more at play here than just a sickness that's throughout our world. Would you agree with that? 
And so the first thing, I, w- I want us to be able to, to discern this from a spiritual perspective the best way that we can. So my first point in your notes is this. Put that first point up there. Is that we, if, if we're going to learn how to be unshakable in uncertain times as Christians and Jesus followers, then we have to prayerfully discern the times we are living in. We have to not be hasty, but we have to slow down. We have to be patient and we have to prayerfully discern the times that we are living in because there is so much information and our people or everybody is caught up in the media and they're on Facebook and you hear one thing, and then you hear another thing. And then somebody that you thought was smart put some facts on, on Instagram and then Instagram said, well, those aren't true. So we take them down. And I mean, it's just like chaos of information going everywhere and it begins to muddle your ability to, to discern what is truth, what is error? How should I be reacting? How should I be feeling? What times are we really living in? What's going on? In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, there's a phrase that I really like. The scripture says that the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There was a group of people that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And I believe that the Lord began to speak to my heart and say, look, in these times, in the darkest of times, even when you read throughout Scripture, when things got at their worst, it was always a time for me to raise somebody up with understanding that could see a little bit differently than the rest of the world around them to point what was really going on underneath the surface so that they know what they ought to do in these situations. Now, we need to pray that we could be people that could desire what we ought to do in every situation. To not be swayed by media, to not be swayed by public opinion, but to be led by the Spirit of God in humility and in, in wisdom. So things are always changing. Things are changing rapidly and we're facing uh, all sorts of different things. And I believe God is preparing a church. I believe that God in the midst of difficult situations, you remember in the book of Esther, Uh, the, the Jewish people were about to be annihilated and Haman was coming out to annihilate the Jewish people. But God raised up Esther for such a time as this. And I believe that the church, God is calling them for such a time as this to be settled into their position, to make the right decisions, to lead people and to show them the direction. Now this message, I want to say this too. Uh, I thought a lot about this last night while I was laying in bed. But the Lord, the Lord started dealing with my heart while I was laying in bed last night. I couldn't even sleep. And, and he said, now, Clay, I know I've given you a message that deals primarily with fear. He said, but in the church right now, especially where you're at in southeastern Kentucky, fear is not necessarily your biggest issue. Because a lot of times people in southeastern Kentucky, uh, they, they, they almost take fear. You know, I mean, like we, we used to put on our bumper stickers, ain't scared. You know what I'm talking about? Like we, we, we don't like fear. We're like, uh. I ain't going to fear nothing. I I ain't scared of nothing. You know, and and sometimes maybe a little healthy fear would do us some good. You know, because we just we're just willing to do dumb things at anything, you know. And, uh, And 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 but he told me what I felt like the spirit told me was that one of the things that we need to guard against while we're guarding against fear is spiritual pride. Somebody amen me right there is spiritual pride. And he said, you know, people are going to get up and declare because people in the, in the charismatic movement and these things like that or whatever, people get up and they declare, we're taking the nation back. We're doing this. Nothing's coming against this. And every now and then I would say that the Holy Spirit may be saying to you, you may need to slow your roll just a minute, humble yourself and ask the Lord what he's actually doing. Because you may be making declarations before you know what the heart of God is on a matter. And you need to slow yourself down. And, and, and figure out what is the heart of God on this matter before I just make a declaration, before I just make a decision. What, God, are you doing? I don't want to declare anything out of my mouth unless it's what you're saying, Lord. I don't want to declare anything out of my mouth unless it's what you're saying. So spiritual pride is something that we will deal with. Rebellion is something that we will deal with. Because sometimes, sometimes you know that it's important to listen to your government leaders. You agree with that. God has put them in place and, and obviously there are times when the government are going to ask you to do dumb things. And in that particular instance, you ought to rebel whenever they're asking you to do something that's ungodly. But when they are looking out for the protection of the overall people, it's important that we do listen. So we don't want to be in complete rebellion at any time against things like that. And also we, we need to watch out for rugged individualism. We need, to say, we need to look at this as, the, we look, it's not us and them or Christians and non-Christians. We are in this thing together as humanity. Amen. And, and we, need to, we need to look at it as that way. We don't just separate ourselves and say, well, we're, we're this or we're that, but we have to pay attention to those things. So there's multiple things that we've got to be aware with. Would you agree with me on that so far? 
Like I said, I'm taking my time. But again, Jesus' disciples come to him at the, uh, uh, before he's getting ready to die on the cross and ascend and go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. And they're having a conversation about the last days. Now, if you look at that, in its context, Jesus is actually discussing what's going to happen like in 70 AD when Jerusalem is destroyed. And so the end of days, if you want to be completely honest, has been going on for a long time. The end of days has been going on for quite some time. And a lot of what Jesus prophesied concerning the end of days was actually fulfilled in about 70 AD and a few years thereafter. But still, we are still seeing the fulfillment of a lot of those things going on. So they said, Jesus, man, when, when the time is coming for you to return, they said, give us some signs. Tell us some things that it's going to be like. And in Luke chapter 21, he says, well, look, there's going to be wars. You're going to see you're going to see nation rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be false prophets. Prophets come and saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. And then in verse 11, he says, and there will be great earthquakes in various places. And we know if you look that the recorded earthquakes are constantly on the rise right now. He says there's going to be famines. And then he says there's going to be pestilence and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. I like what the Passion Translation said in this very same verse. It just makes it a little bit more clear. It says, And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, resulting in famines in one place after another. And notice what he says. There will be horrible plagues and epidemics, cataclysmic storms on the earth. So Jesus is saying, when these things happen, church, it's not something that you should be shocked by. Matter of fact, these are the beginning of sorrows, he says in one place, which means that you need to start to be aware that these things are happening to alert your spiritual uh, side, to alert your spirit, your inner man to say, all right, Jesus is trying to say something. The world is groaning in earnest expectation. We should be looking beyond the surface to just think, man, terrible things are happening. No, we need to wake up and discern the times that we are living in so that we stay focused on Jesus and we realize that this world is coming to an end, folks. The world as we know it really is coming to an end. Somebody said, well, my Lord, he's got up and preached that doomsday stuff. Now, that's not what I'm preaching this morning. I'm preaching the scripture, the word of God. And, and, and we need to understand that these are why a lot of these things are happening. They happen as a sign to us that this world is not our eternal home. This thing's coming to an end. And it all, when everything starts to break, when everything starts to shatter, it, it, it tunes our hearts to a better place. In verse 18 and 19, well, let's look at verse 26 first. He says, now during these times, men's hearts will be failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. Now, I know this isn't going to be very encouraging, but this right here, this, this one little sickness here, I, I, would, I would just about guarantee that it's going to come, it's going to pass and things are going to get better, and life will be normal. But can I tell you that in our lifetime, in my lifetime, there's going to be many more such things. This is not just going to be, well, we got through that, now life's going to be good from here on out. Now, on the other hand, you need to understand that epidemics have been something that have been happening throughout human history. And the truth is, our technology has allowed us as a human race to be able to respond better than we ever have. Had we not had the technology we'd have, this could really, really do damage to the entire planet. But we've got technology that is helping us in ways. But epidemics and plagues have happened throughout human history and have devastated many people. And in comparison to what you see throughout history, this is a very light thing. But I think sometimes the Lord looks at us and he says, you know what? These people down here right now are so, so such big sissies. You know, I got to at least hold a little bit back because, I mean, my Lord, it's, it's you know, they can't handle much. Would you agree with that? I mean, you look throughout history, if you compare us to other people, we're sissies, amen. Like, there's very little that we can handle. You read, if y'all ever read history, it's like people went through some difficult times, y'all. I mean, uh, and, and, and trust me, this is not that bad. There's, there, you could be in a lot worse shape. Things could be a whole lot worse. Notice what he says. He talks, he says, now persecution are going to come. You're going to ultimately, many of you will be put to death. I would not doubt it if in my generation, in my time, that we don't experience persecution right here in the United States. We may even be put to death for our faith. We have to understand that. It's a possibility. That's how crazy the world is and how uh, just shifty it is and shaky it is and how quick things can shift. And he says these things are a possibility. But in verse 18 and 19, I love what he says. He says, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. In the Aramaic, he says, my grace shall never leave your head. 
No matter what kind of pain or suffering you go through, no matter what kind of difficulty, he says, my grace is going to be on your head. Even if they take your head like they did Paul's, guess what? My grace is going to be on your head. Even if they bring death into your life, guess what? I defeated death. You're going to wake up with a new body and you're going to see me face to face. And you begin to look beyond these things that are bringing fear into your soul. And he says in verse 19, by your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your souls. This word patience in the Greek is uh, it's patience. It's what it is. But, but it is also a supernatural empowerment and enablement, enablement by God to patiently endure difficulty and stand firm in the faith. He's saying you're going to go through difficulty, but because you can endure and be patient, he says you're going to come into a calmness and a peace that the world doesn't have, and you will have possession of your soul. In other words, these things and these challenges are coming upon the earth because they're trying to infect your soul with fear and anxiety and worry and all of these things that would turn your mind from the Lord. And he says, no, when you're suffering, when you're going through difficulty, when you see these challenges, he says, you're going to have a supernatural enablement to, to be patient, to endure, and to possess your soul, to be under peace, to be calm. And he says, why? Because not a hair of your head is going to perish without me letting it, letting it perish. Amen. Grace is always going to be on your head. And see, God uses dark times as an opportunity for his glory to be revealed through his people. Some people will say, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I talking to somebody the other day, I said, you know, uh, I could get up and preach like some, some famous guys that I know and say, well, you know what? God just wants you to be happy and everything. He doesn't even, he don't want none of this stuff. To, listen, I don't, I'm not going to get up all the time and say that I know what God wants to do all the time. He's God. I mean, I, I understand God is revealed to me in Jesus Christ. I know that basically if I look at Jesus Christ, I know what's going on. But I want to take a humble stance here and say, Lord, I don't know exactly what you're doing. I believe that Jesus obviously was against sickness. When he saw sickness coming into people's bodies and lives, he looked at it as if it was a demonically inspired thing and he healed it. And oftentimes he rebuked it and he attributed the sickness and the disease to the demonic that was oppressing them. He did that. So I think, well, this, this, this is most likely not from God. But at the same time, nothing happens on this earth that God does not ultimately allow. And if he's allowing it, I need to pay attention to why he might be allowing such a thing. But see, Scripture says in Isaiah 60, verse 2 through 3, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Our world is going to get darker and darker, and people are going to experience more darkness that covers them. But in the midst of the darkness, God is saying, I'm I'm calling out a church that believes in me in the midst of the darkness and people who are just lukewarm Christians going to church are going to say, you know what? Times are getting tough. It's time I get connected to the life source. It's time I go to Jesus and receive the power of the Holy Spirit that I need to live this life the way that he's called me to live. And the light of God and the glory of God is going to begin to rise on the church in the darkest moments of our world. In the darkest places, in the worst places is when God is going to shine his most light through you. And you have an, you, we have an opportunity as a church to either succumb and begin to become just like the world and let our light dwindle and be overcome by fear, be overcome by anxiety. Or we have an opportunity to say, you know what, we're not crazy. We're not doing stupid things. We're not going to go out and handle serpents or drink strychnine. Amen. And, and really, you know, I, I, if you think that people, people, because it's almost like there's been a little bit of a battle on Facebook, you know, that you're super spiritual if you came to church. You may not be. You may just be dumb that you came to church. I, I, well, right there, I lost like 12 people. We lost, we lost 12 members right there, Donald. I mean, oh gosh. I mean, my point being is we exercise some humility. You understand what I'm saying? Humility goes a long way. God resists the proud, folks. Last thing I want to do is be presumptuous and say that I know the best, the best thing to do. I'm not a health official. I don't know what's going on. And like I said, I, I trust God for protection. I'm not afraid of the virus. But... But we got to use wisdom as well. And, and, and you coming to church today does not prove your faith. Doesn't make you more super spiritual than people that, that didn't come to church today. Somebody amen me. Yeah, humility. It feels good on you, doesn't it? When you wear it. See, where there's greater darkness, God's going to give greater light, though. With greater disease and sickness, God is going to release greater healing. 
With greater wickedness and evil, God is going to release greater holiness and purity. With greater confusion and chaos, God is going to release greater wisdom and strategy to his people so that they can shine as lights in the midst of darkness. And here's what I want you to understand. And you may realize this in your own life. In our fallen world, bad things are not always completely bad. I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, and, and I know people. I talk to people all of the time. They go through some of the most difficult seasons in their life, and it's not that God brought that on them. It's a, and we talk about it. It's not, God didn't bring the sickness. God didn't bring the, the, the pain. We live in a fallen world. Scripturally and biblically, pain and sin and, and sickness and disease and all of this brokenness entered because human beings who were supposed to steward the earth believed a lie that was from Satan and demonically inspired and sin, sickness, disease and death entered in that way. See, it's not something that God wants to bring, but God is so wise that he recognizes in a fallen world and people with broken hearts and messed up identities and thought lives. He says, sometimes the only way that I can get their attention is through pain and suffering. And I, so, so again, we just we don't understand. A lot of people's lives have changed, not because God brought the bad things on them, but because in the bad things, he was finally able to steal their heart enough to turn them toward him and say, now do you see what really matters in life? Sickness is not the worst thing that can happen to you. To live a life not connected to God is the worst thing that can happen to you. And so we look at these situations and we see that they're different. But see, throughout history, God has always allowed difficult things to happen for ultimate good. So we're not afraid of difficult things. Like, for example, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you read in Daniel. In the, the book of Daniel, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Which are awesome names if you're having children. If you have triplets, you need to really go for that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come on. It'd be really awesome. But... They had those, he, Daniel had his three guys there with him and they went to Babylon. Now Babylon is a picture, it, it, it's, a, it's really a picture of the church in the last days in, in some sense. And that's why in the book of Revelation they call it Mystery Babylon the Great, talking about the world system. And these men are cut off from their family, they're young men, teenagers. They're cut off from their family, they're cut off from their homeland and they are sent into a place called Babylon which literally means confusion, it means chaos. They're sent into that place. They're made eunuchs. They're never going to get married. They are made, they are enslaved. And they could have easily said, well, sh you know, surely God didn't want this. Maybe there's not a God. Maybe this is, maybe this is whatever. They could have gotten mad at God. But instead, they committed their hearts to God. They sought God. They prayed three times a day. And they never wavered in their, in their allegiance to the Lord God in the darkest times in their life. And God used it as a setup because one time, there's many times in that book, but one time in that book, there, the, the King Nebuchadnezzar, he goes and he says, look, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make a golden image. And when the music plays, you better bow down and worship that golden image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, hey, here's the thing, king. Our, what the king says is, listen, if y'all don't bow down and don't worship it, he said, Who's go what God is there that is going to deliver you from my hands? And I feel this, the, the spirit of this world coming in on the church right now and saying, what God is there that are actually, is actually going to deliver you from these situations? You know what they said? I love it. They said, king, we don't even really have to answer you on this matter. They said, look, God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still ain't going to worship your gods. We're still not. And so they said, well, just toss us on in then because we ain't bound down to your gods. And he tosses them in the fire and he looks back and the fire had been heated seven times hotter so that the men that threw them in the fire right next to them burn up. And while they were in the fire, the king steps back and looks and he says, I don't see three in the fire. I see four in the fire. And one of them has the image of the son of God. And he sees Jesus walking with them there in the fire. And let me tell you something. Sometimes in order for the world to see Jesus with you in your life, you've got to go through some fiery situations in order for the world to see Jesus with you you got to go through some challenging times and when these things hit the world and the world is going through the fire all of a sudden people are going to start to see the fourth man in the fire Jesus is going to begin to reveal himself to people in ways that he's never revealed himself before and he's going to do it in the midst of cataclysmic storms in the midst of sickness and disease in the midst of persecution and hatred in the midst of war in the midst of all these things not because God sent these things 
but because we live in a demonically inspired fallen world and God says, I'll show up right in the midst of that stuff and I'll shine my light as bright as you've ever seen it before if you'll believe me. That's what God's saying. That's what God is saying. And see, here's, here's the other thing. We got to know, in number two in your notes, we make sure that we're building on a solid foundation. See, your faith is going to be tested. Somebody amen me. Your faith ain't worth a dime until it's tested. It ain't worth its weight. See, in order for you to find out whether silver or gold is pure or any good, guess what? You got to set that sucker on fire. And if it ain't pure, it's going to melt down and there's going to be dross everywhere. But if your faith is genuine, if your faith is pure, when it goes through the fire, it's going to come out even more pure. Job said, I, I've been tried in the fire, but I've come out like pure gold. And this world has got to be tried by that same fire. The church of Jesus Christ has got to be tried by that same fire. But we have got to make sure that we're building on a solid foundation. You know, in the scripture, it says that no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. That word temptation is also translated testing. Oftentimes. And the two words go hand in hand. So there's no testing that is taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested above that which you are able, but will with the t testing or temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That word for testing and temptation in the Greek is a word pirazzo. Sounds like a pizza place. But here's the definition of it. It's a set of difficult circumstances that comes to reveal the truth about who you are. Anybody amen me on that? I just, I'll take a moment. A set of difficult circumstances that comes to reveal the truth of who you are and the foundation upon which you believe. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but when difficult times come, a lot of stuff comes to the surface. What you really put your trust in, whether or not you're really afraid, when you go through the hard times, I mean, people that are the sweetest people in the world, you can put them in some fire and they'll cuss you all to pieces. You know what I'm talking about? Put me in some fire. I may punch you. Somebody try to come up and tickle me. It's over. Don't put me in that pressure. But see, these things bring something to the surface. In Hebrews 12, now here's the verses that we wanted to get to. He says, see, verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates, notice these words, the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Things in our world right now are being shaken for a purpose. And this shaking, this shaking is actually a good thing. A lot of times we get in situations like this and we feel like, man, well, God's maybe not for us. It's something, something, something bad's going on. I don't know why he's allowing this to happen. Can I promise you something? That God is allowing things to be shaken as an act of mercy because there are so many people who have put, put their trust and their confidence in things other than God. Some of y'all, you put your confidence in your retirement. You put your confidence in Social Security and finances or in the stock market. He will shake the fire out of that thing in order for you to not put your trust in it. Some of you, you put your trust in, 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 in health officials and all of these different things for your health. And all of those things are good things. We use those, but they are not the source of our trust. And if they become the source of our trust, God is doing a, a mercy in shaking it. Because see, in the end times, there is such a shaking going on that there causes a fear and desperation that a man could arise and say, I have all the answers. All you need to do is do this one thing. And fear would lead us to say, okay, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you say. Fear, man, you can start to control people. You can start to manipulate people. And in one sense, the only, person we gotta, the only person that we should ever fear is God. Somebody amen me on that. The only person I should ever fear is God. I offer no one else my fear, but I do fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, this shaking is a good thing. If you live on the top story of a building, now imagine, I want you to imagine yourself, you're, in the, you're on the, some, 
somebody went to New York recently. They said they was on like the 41st floor of the building. Imagine being on the 41st floor of the building and that building starts to shake. What would you do? You'd run to the bottom, son, and you would get out as quickly as you can. You'd get away from it and then you'd look and you'd see that that building is falling. Guess what? Then you'd be glad that you felt the shaking. Why? Because the shaking warned you that the foundation is not secure and you need to get out of that building and get on a sturdy foundation. And things in your life right now, you're fearful, you're chaotic, things are going on, and it's just a warning. It's not that God's not for you, it's that He's warning you, you're on a, you're on a shaky foundation. And things are shaking in your life, why? Because you need to make sure that your foundation is secure and you are building on a firm foundation. The issue is trust, see? The issue is trust. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Just what I preached last week. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, cannot be shaken, but abides forever. Mount Zion is that new covenant, see? That new covenant where Jesus gave us his body and his blood. And when he said, look, he said, I, I'm making a new covenant with you and I'm going to establish you in righteousness so you'll never be shaken. And here's what you can know is that my body was broken so that you might be healed. By my stripes, you are healed. My blood is given so that you might be forgiven. And you know that there is no more wrath or judgment coming your way, that you don't have to deal with that, but you've got eternal life, that even if death comes your way, you are going to live forever. And when you are rooted and grounded in faith in Christ, you know that death, sickness, disease, fear, worry, financial troubles, we know the one who multiplied food, folks. Right? There is nothing. We are in a covenant with a God who will supply all of our need regardless of the situation according to His riches and glory in the midst of difficult circumstances. If we can simply hold on to faith and trust the Lord, we will be like Mount Zion, which can never be moved. No matter what kind of earthquakes happen in our life, no matter what kind of chaos, we will hold firm because we put our trust in Jesus. Number three, whenever things start to shake and we're trying to become unshakable people, we have to respond with faith and love rather than react with fear. Notice I said respond. I was shocked. Like as soon as, as soon as the governor made an announcement this week, I was shocked at how quickly. I mean, it was like an hour in people started bringing out their opinions and their responses. I'm like, take a little bit of time, y'all. I mean, you know, let's, think, let's think through this. Like maybe he, I mean, he's, he's the governor. He may be privy to a little bit more information than me. I'm, I'm sure this is not popular. I thought whenever I get up and say something like this, this ain't going to be a popular among this Republican crowd. <laughs> you know, some people, it scares me that a lot of Christians are more Republican than they are Jesus followers. Yeah, clap on that. Oh, man, I'm feeling good right now. I feel one of them agitating spirits coming on me just to <laughs> stir something up. Everything that happens right now is so influenced and poisoned by politics and our own opinions that we don't stop and slow down long enough to say, Lord, I need discernment here to see what you're saying. Forget what other people are saying. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that kind of wisdom. You know, my dad always taught me. He loved Abraham Lincoln. He said, you know, I think it's something like this. But Abraham Lincoln made this quote, and he used to tell me this when I was young. He said, son, it's better to, it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And I've kept that, I've kept that, you know, in my heart because every now and then I'll be ready to spout my opinion and I'll hear that in my spirit say, yep, just keep your mouth shut for a while until you've had time to think about all the angles. Until you've had time to discern what's really going on. But see, we respond with faith and love. We don't react in fear. And sometimes what fear can cause in a person who's proud is to act like they're not afraid and they start blurting out their opinions before they've had time to think about what's really going on. Man, who knew the Lord would begin giving us so much wisdom this Sunday morning in a time like this? Everything you hear, everything that comes through, when you watch the news, it's going to be filtered either through love or through fear. Those two things. I mean, psychologists say that, the, that everything in life is filtered through. You, they don't have to be Christians. They say it's filtered through either love or fear. When you receive information, you filter it through love or you filter it through fear. What happens in your life, you respond either through a response of love or a response of fear. And how, how you respond is... And, and part of that is whether or not you know you're loved. 
A lot of people, first of all, they don't recognize that they're loved by their father, that their father is their protector. And so they are fearful because they just don't know if he's got their back. They just don't know if they trust. So they don't respond from being loved, but they respond from this fear of, of I don't know if my daddy's going to protect me. I don't know if he's going to watch over me. But we know that we are under the I'm, I'm his beloved, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to take care of me. Even if I, if I were to get sick, he's going to take care of me. He's going to heal me. And even if he doesn't, guess what? I'm going to wake up and look him in the eyes and he say, you're here, son. And it's going to be an exciting day. When I get to him, so, so I can know that I'm loved and ultimately he's going to do what is best for me, even if I make a mistake. So I don't have to be afraid. He said, fear not, little flock. It's your, good, it's your father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. But see, fear is the number one command in Scripture. You realize that. God says, fear not more than any other command in Scripture. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And what he's doing is he's revealing that the number one tactic of the enemy is to disengage us from our life source. He's saying the reason there's so much fear and I'm constantly commanding you to not be fearful is because fearful, fear is the number one tactic of the enemy because he knows if he can instill fear in you, sudden panic, anxiety, then the last thing you are thinking about is God. He dislocates you from the source and now you are not functioning in the ability that you should be functioning in as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because fear has infected your soul. You've got cut off from the source. You're worried to death and these things have come in. Fear is when we actually agree with the enemy's plans. When you see this image of what could possibly happen in this situation, you've got all these worst case scenarios. Now, now understand this. You do have to think through what are possibilities that could happen. But when you see those possibilities, you speak the word of God against them. Don't be stupid and deny. Faith does not deny reality. There was a, the word of faith movement started and they just, I ain't got this. Look, if you got it, you got it. It don't matter how much you say you don't have it, you've got it. Faith does not deny reality. Faith embraces what's going on circumstantially, but then it reaches to a higher reality in the word of God and says the word of God trumps my circumstantial reality. It doesn't deny physical reality. It reaches toward a heavenly reality that ultimately trumps what's going on in my physical circumstances. Somebody amen, right? That's good. Fear is believing that the devil has more ability to harm you than God does to protect you. Faith is believing that God will keep you and bless you. Faith is a belief in a superior reality than your current circumstances. Now, Isaiah 51, verse 12 through 13, I like this. It says, I, even I, God speaking, am he that comforts you. Notice what he says. Who are you that you should be afraid? It's almost like he kind of calls you out, doesn't he? He goes on and says, of a man who will die and of the son of man who will be made like grass. And he says, and you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. He said, I am the one who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid? In other words, what are you afraid of? Do you see that I am the one who made all things? I'm over all things. Who are you that you should be afraid? Can you not pull back for a moment and see how big I am? See how awesome I am? Understand that I spoke the stars and the earth into existence, that nothing passes through or passes by that is not under my hand, that I see all things, that I'm omnipotent and all-powerful and all-knowing, and somehow or another you're going to say you trust me, but yet you're afraid? When I've sat here and commanded you to not be afraid, I'm the one who comforts you in this situation. See, it's an interesting approach that God uses, but he's basically saying, do you realize who I am? And when I choose fear, I'm actually making a choice in my mind. Fear sometimes comes and it oppresses us, and we'll talk about that in the next verse, and it pushes on us and it becomes demonic in a sense. But see, it's, in the beginning stages, we actually choose fear over choosing to worship and magnify and praise God in our situation. Isaiah 54, verse 13 through 14, I like this. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. Somebody claim that promise this morning. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. That, that peace is shalom. It's health, it's security, it's wisdom, it's, it's spiritual growth, it's physical growth, it's all those things. Great shall be those things in your children. He says, in righteousness you shall be established and you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. He says, you'll be far from oppression for you shall not fear. What is oppression? 
Oppression is when you act. Have y'all ever, y'all ever gotten to a situation where you fear something so bad and it's weighing so heavy on it, you actually feel the weight of it? I've had anxiety here recently for different things. And, and back in December, I started having heart palpitations. Y'all ever had those? Because I was getting anxious over certain things. Certain things were coming into my life. I started getting anxious, started having heart palpitations. And I, and I felt, I felt almost, for, for a moment, it wasn't really bad, but I felt almost like this, this weightiness trying to come in on me, trying to close in on me. And the enemy will do that. Here's what I want you to understand, though. Not all fear is a spirit of fear. Not all fear is demonic. Matter of fact, there are healthy fears. Would you agree? I mean, the reason you don't cross the street is because you've got a healthy fear that if you go across there in oncoming traffic, you might get hit. That's good, that's good fear. But there are other fears when all of a sudden something happens financially, something happens, you get a bad medical rec report, and the devil don't even have to show up because you start fearing out of your own emotion. But see, when you choose to do the wrong thing with that fear and you start to mull on it and mull on it and mull on it, well, the demonic, the spirit of fear says, well, look, I've got them in a bad mental and emotional state of mind and they're speaking out negativity. Let's go and attack and let's oppress them so that we can push them under and get them dislocated and let's put as many thoughts into their mind that go against God's word. Let's, let's give them imaginations of the possibilities of how bad their future could be and how bad this sickness can be, get until it totally torments them and dislocates them from the body of Christ and they're now powerless because they have no faith in their heart. That oppression, it starts with a small thought that you don't learn how to deal with. And that's, that's, that's why in 1 Peter 5, verse 7 through 8, it says, cast all your anxiety on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. And then the very next verse, it says, be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, when you've got anxiety that comes and you don't learn how to cast it upon the Lord, the devil is prowling, looking for people who don't know how to cast their anxiety upon him, who are holding on to their anxiety, who are holding on to their fears. And he says, huh, there's one that I can devour. And he says, what you do is you resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that your brothers are around the world are suffering the same types of things that you're doing. But you know what? My anxiety comes. I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, I'm going to bring prayer and thanksgiving unto God. I'm going to put it in his hands and say, God, I trust you with it. And when you give God your anxiety, the devil says, I can't touch them. I cannot enter in. They're not giving me a legal realm. And see, so you got to ask yourself, how, how have I responded in these situations? Now, again, I think in our, in our place here in southeastern Kentucky, I think, like I said, most people are kind of like got the mentality of ain't scared, you know, because we're tough guys. So I'm, I'm, uh, this has not been that big of a thing, I think, for our people. And it shows even by the crowd that we have here today. People around here aren't afraid of the coronavirus. But again, I would just urge you that you would exercise wisdom while other people are going through things. Because what we do know is if, 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 if somebody with a, with a compromised immune system or whatever gets it, it's, it's, been, it's been harmful to them. So we take that into consideration. But what we do is we pray for those people. We reach toward a higher reality. We respond with our thoughts according to the word of God. This is my last point. Is that we hold on to God's word in times of shaking and allow God's word to be our foundation. We hold on to God's word. And that's one of the most important things because here's the thing. I think Donald posted something on, on Facebook recently about being, being in the word. We got to be in the word of God more than we're in Fox News. Amen. Yeah, that's good. I took another cut right then. That's all right. Somebody said, is he a Democrat or what? No, I'm not. <laughs> I am not. I'm a Jesus follower, man. I am a Jesus follower. So we want to be in the Word of God. Some people say, well, I know, I know, those, I know those verses, Clay. I mean, you, you say those verses all the time, but bad things happen, man. Bad things still happen. Y'all ever dealt with that? Like, we'll get it. Wednesday night, we came in here, man, and we were in here Wednesday night, probably our biggest crowd on Wednesday night. Before we started, because that was kind of the first mention of these things, we stood up and we, we put Psalm 91 on the board, and we declared Psalm 91 out loud together. Now, when these things happen in my, in my home, I'll just tell you, Andre will tell you, what we do is we'll get the Bible out, son, and we'll 
we'll read the scripture out loud. And as we're reading scripture, we'll take a break on a verse and just start and start praying things over people and just releasing the word of God into the atmosphere. We don't read it silently. We get up and we read it out loud in the house to let the angels know what's going on. If there's a demon lurking, he's going to hear it and get stabbed by it. You know what I'm saying? There is, we are going to let the principalities and the powers know what we believe in, what we put our faith in. We pull out the grape juice some. We pour a cup. We take a cracker. We hold up the body of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hold up the blood. We take the body. We take the blood because that is where our faith is. And we want God to know it. We want our hearts to know it. We want the angels to know it. We want the devils to know it. And you got to put the word, you got to hold on. Don't just get God's word on Sunday, folks, please. Or you will be shaken to your core. You'll have no foundation if the word of God is not in your heart and you're not holding on to God's word. See, well, I know y'all confess that and y'all believe in that stuff, but bad things still happen. Well, that's the problem that we have. You have to have faith in God's word. You got to hold on to it. Job 5.19 says, He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. When troubles happen, you cannot allow those troubles and those circumstances to rob you of your faith. Satan will always come to steal the word out of your heart through circumstances. What you'll, what you'll even do sometimes, that like when God is pressing me into something, He reveals something greater to me, and I say, God, I'm going to believe you for that. You know what the devil says? Boys, he's believing God for greater things. Can we attack him in that area right quick? Get a, get a troop together. Let's attack him in that area where he's believing me for so that he'll stop pressing in. As soon as you start to believe God for something, as soon as you start to go to another direction, the enemy is going to try to steal that word from you and rob you of that word. And you cannot, you're in a, you're in a battle zone, folks. You got to stay in that word. Let's read Psalm 91 together. And I'm going to try to close it down. Not the whole thing, but let's read a few verses. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. See, in these times, we got to hold on to God's word. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. See, here's the place where we have got to learn, like learn to live. We have got to learn to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, during these times, like I said, take these opportunities to spend time in prayer, to spend time in worship. Turn worship music on in your house. Grab your kids. Pray Psalm 91 over them. Read the scripture out loud. Pray. Take Get you a bottle of grape juice next time you go to the grocery store and get you a, uh, some crackers or something and take you some communion Union, read 1 Corinthians 11, repent of your sin, receive the forgiveness of the blood and receive healing in your body from the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Release your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He says, as often as you do it, he says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're establishing where your faith is. You're declaring God's word. And then he says this, he says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord. Now I know a lot of y'all come, look, in the church, there was a lot, there was the name, the name it and claim it movement. I know it threw everybody haywire, but do you know that still does not negate the fact that throughout scripture it says to confess the word of God, to make a profession of faith, to open your mouth and confess the word. There is life and death in the power of your tongue. And if you are going to use the word of God properly, it needs to come out of your mouth. Yeah, amen me on that a little bit harder. Start practicing that in your life. Get the word of God in your mouth. You know, the scripture talks about how he said, I'm going to put my, the word of God in your mouth, in your children's mouth, and in your children's children's mouth. It doesn't say, I'm just going to put it in your mind so you can always meditate on it. No, you put it in your mind, it gets in your heart, and it comes out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When faith starts to be activated in a person's life, they start to speak. Now, what do you speak? He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He's my God, and in Him I will trust. I'm not trusting in the world system. I'm not trusting in my retirement plan. I'm not trusting in medical doctors. I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, and whatever He leads me to for, for wisdom or counsel, I'll receive it. I'm not going to be dumb enough to not receive it. I'm going to be humble, but I'm going to be led by the Spirit, and I'm going to trust God. Here's what He says, verse 3 through 7. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, from the perilous pestilence. You read that with me. You ready? Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. 
This next one says, He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. He goes on to say, because you've made the Lord, which is my habitation, even the Most High, your refuge, no evil shall come near you, neither shall any plague or pestilence or sickness come near your home. Y'all agree with me on that, amen? Say amen to that, receive that, receive the Word of God. The very last verse, he talks about in verse 14 through 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I believe God is going to satisfy us with long life. I believe he's going to show us his salvation. And here's what I'm telling you. This is the last thing. See, God is making us unshakable, folks. Things are shaking, and when they shake more, don't get scared. Look at it as an opportunity to respond. And you can say, you know what? Darkness is coming, but every time there's more darkness, I'm getting ready to receive more light and more glory from God. Every time there's more sickness, it's an opportunity for me to see more healing from God, more deliverance from God. When people are chaotic and confused, it's an opportunity for me to be a voice of calm and a voice of wisdom in the midst of these things. We're going to be unshakable if we will... Focus on Jesus. Stay fixed on Him. Keep our faith rooted in Him. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes just for a moment. I want us to pray together. We're going we're gonna to worship. I want you to pray, though, these things over your own life. Pray for your family. Pray for our people. But let's take a moment. I want you to bow your head with me just for a moment. Father, we just take this moment. You know where everybody's at in their own hearts and in their minds. But Lord, we are speaking peace and blessing right now. Right now, Lord. Your word says, God, that you will bless your people, O Lord, and you will surround them with favor as with a shield. So we speak that blessing, God, that you're going to bless your people right now and you're going to surround them with favor as with a shield. We declare your word, Lord, that City of Hope Church, that Clay County, God, that Laurel County, that Southeastern Kentucky, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of you, O Lord, that you are our refuge and our fortress. You are our God, and it's in you that we trust. Lord, we will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us. But Lord, we pray, you know, I'm gonna do something different with that scripture this morning. God, we're gonna pray for the 10,000 that are falling. Lord, we pray that you'd raise them up, Lord, that you would protect those outside of us, Lord Jesus, that you would send your spirit to push back the sickness. But God, right now for your church, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit in the midst of darkness? Would you release your glory and your power in the midst of darkness? Lord, we are open to you, God. Right now, in Jesus' name, we receive the fullness of what you want to do in our lives.